If you would, uh, to begin with, would you take your Bibles and turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 11. We're only going to look at part of one verse there. It's, uh, again, a, a joy to be with you this morning and look into the Word of God. There is an insert in your bulletins on the message this morning. Uh, we gave it an interesting title from my perspective, Take Good Care of Your Mind. Uh, and there are reasons why the Word of God encourages us to do this. I remember um, Mother Camp, an older lady who was on the mission field for many years in Africa, and she came home and uh, lived in to be in her 90s. And she always prayed, now catch this please, she always prayed, Lord, I ask you if I could have clear thoughts until I'm going to go home to be with the Lord. It's a good prayer request. I've been asking the same thing. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's sad when somebody um, has something like Alzheimer's or dementia where the mind is not what it should be. And, of course, that happens in the body because uh, our bodies are not what they were before man's fall into sin. And so uh, the body and the mind can be greatly affected by man's fall, Genesis chapter 3. But I think it is a good thing to pray that way. Uh, and I think this title uh, applies to the things that we'll discuss for a few minutes before we come to the Lord's table. And I love it when we come to the Lord's table together. Um, again, you do not need to be a member of Louisville Bible Church to partake of communion. We invite you to do it. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, we want you to come to the table with us and uh, partake of the bread and the cup. And there'll be some heart preparation for that as well this morning. But Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 uh, says clearly, uh, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now I realize there's a different translation for the last part of that verse because of the context in which it's given. However, uh, the first part of the verse is very clear. The people who know their God shall be strong. There's a spiritual strength that comes from really knowing the Lord. We've tried to encourage you in this uh, to um, stay encouraged, think often about the Lord, and try to uh, go over the attributes or the perfections of God in your mind and thinking uh, because um, this will encourage you living in a day where there's so much confusion and darkness in our world. Um, a man by the name of A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. He wrote several other books, and they're excellent, and they're in our church library. In chapter 1, he said this. Listen to this statement with me. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whoa. That's saying a lot. Repeat it. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And there's a reason he said that, because he said if, if we were to uh, entreat from any person a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God? What really comes into your mind when you think about God? 
what you answer may affect how you're looking at the future. Uh, am I a person who um, has confidence in God? First John chapter 5, um, the Apostle John wrote, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. We do need to have confidence in God. Now, by that I'm not saying we always understand what God allows to happen. Certainly we do not always understand, especially when it affects people we know and love. But what we think about God is vitally important, very important. Uh, are we individuals who take our real concerns to Him and believe that God will work in His timing? We talked about this yesterday morning in men's prayer breakfast. In God's timing, it's amazing what He will do for us. Our timing is not always His timing. Uh, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find grace and mercy in the time of need. And you may say, well, boy, i got need right now in this area. But God's the one that determines when that need will be supplied. And we, we truly believe that. Um, we do need to have confidence in the Lord. Tozer went on to say this, and I think this is worth looking at together. It is my opinion, Tozer said, that the Christian, the Christian concept of God current in these middle years of the 20th century, that's when he wrote the book, is so decadent as to be beneath the dignity of the Most High God. You know, in Psalm 10, verse 4, I found this verse that says this, The wicked in his proud continence does not seek God. Listen, probably all of us have met people who say, I don't need God. And if somebody says, you know, what you can do is somebody says, you know, I don't need God, that's the person that needs God. <laughs> Whoever wants to say it and verbalize it, they really need the Lord. But it says in Psalm 10:4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God, and God is in, pardon me, in, is in none of his thoughts. This is hard for us to imagine. You see, if you're here this morning, it's obvious God's working in your heart and life. If you want to worship God, God's working in you. But it is an amazing thing to think about that there are multitudes of people who don't even think about God. Wow, what a verse. I never noticed that verse before this morning, I mean yesterday, uh, Psalm 1040. God is in none of their thoughts. However, by way of contrast, the psalmist said in Psalm 63:8, My soul follows hard after you. In fact, that's the verse that touched Tozer to write his books on the attributes of God and knowing God. He said, wow, look at what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, my soul follows hard after you. Lord, I want to know more about you. I want to know what you can do in my life, in my experience. I want to know more and more what you have done for me. How awesome that is. So, yes, we do want to uh, take care of our minds and our thoughts. Um, I, please remember that as we come away from the message this morning, that God wants us to be careful about our thought life and to take care of our minds and our thinking. Um, God is concerned about our thoughts. In fact, um, I think it's interesting, um, John Maxwell, some of you read John Maxwell's books. He has great books on leadership, just plain leadership. Some of them have some scripture in them, but primarily it's, Books about leadership. And he had a book entitled, How Successful People Think. And I looked at that and I said, wow, I need to keep reading this, don't I? <laughs> Here's what he said at the end of the book. 
He summarized what he covered in the book. Excellent. Everything begins with a thought. Life consists of what a man is thinking about all day long. Wow. Everything begins with a thought. What we think, things happen. What we think determines who we are. Who we are determines what we do. Number three, his summary. He's got five summaries. One, everything begins with a thought. Number two, what we think determines who we are. Number three, our thoughts determine our destiny. Wow. This is getting heavy duty. It really is. How we're thinking. In fact, um, looking at some material through the week, I read a lot, and I'm not even going to handle this this morning, but I I read a lot of caution about being careful not to allow negative thoughts, very negative thoughts, to direct your steps and direct the things that you do. And it's very easy to have negative thoughts. And uh, this one writer said negative self uh, thoughts, um, self talk, where you're talking to yourself. You need to be very careful that you push away those negative things. Uh, We won't be going into detail on that. Uh, Number four, people who go to the top think differently than others. Nothing um, limits achievement more than small thinking. So um, he's saying, you know, we need to think big about what God wants to do and how he wants to bless us. And he really does. I like the words of William Carey who went to India a, a couple generations ago now. And he said this, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And when he went to India, he translated the Bible into many languages uh, or dialects there in India. And uh, he didn't have quite the training that people can have today, but God wonderfully used him. Let me repeat that verse, I mean that phrase. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. His number five in the summary of his book on how successful people think, we can change the way we think. That's true. In fact, uh, when we come to the end of the message before we go to the Lord's table, we're going to be saying, Lord, help me to get my thinking over to where you want it to be. And we're going to close with Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. And if we could pray that every day, let the things that I say and the things that I think be pleasing to you. I would say that's probably the key verse uh, for what we're handling this morning. Now, actually, we start out by mentioning Proverbs 23, 7, where it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Our actions are the direct result of our thoughts, and that's why our thoughts need to be good. What we're thinking can lead to something really good. What we're thinking sometimes can lead to something that's really bad. And we don't want to make bad choices. The mind is the control center of our being where the basic direction of our lives is established. That's very important. The mind is the control center of our being where the basic direction of our lives is established. And uh, again, we're saying, 
from Proverbs 23.7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We're saying our actions are the result of how we think. And that is why we say the mind is the control center. Very important. And that's why, by the way, the writer of Proverbs said in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard the things that come into your mind and thinking. And thank and praise God for our parents, and, I, and probably you could identify with this, who encouraged us in the area of the things we think about, in the area of things that we see. And sometimes we didn't always agree with our parents who said, well, maybe you shouldn't go see this, or maybe you shouldn't do that. And we would say, well, everybody else is. We all probably said that at one time or another. But it says, guard your heart, because out of it come the issues of life. The things that, so a parents who are concerned for their children really um, try to be careful what they watch. And if they watch the Super Bowl, they certainly don't want them to be watching the intermission in the middle. Which was very anti-woman, by the way. Very much so. And I heard discussions on Christian radio through the week. And it was disgusting. Um, causing people to, well, we better drop that one. What goes on in our minds determines what we are and what we become. The things that go on in our minds affect us greatly. And, of course, that's why we understand that the mind becomes a battleground. The things of the flesh and the things of the spirit. The things God wants us to do and things that the world may want us to do which are not in line with what God may want us to do. And right at this point, I think it's a good place if you take notes to jot down Isaiah 26.3 right now. Because Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace. I've talked to people over the years. I remember one person said, I'm greatly burdened for my daughter because she listens to this music all day long and it's putting things in her thoughts and this is not the daughter I know. She can do so much better. I, I remember distinctly when she said that. And uh, we prayed about it. We asked the Lord that she would start listening to things and find some Christian friends. And it's amazing what the Lord did in that situation. Now, we'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Now, uh, why this is important, again, if you will turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll notice that number two on your study sheet is wrong thinking can put someone into bondage, real bondage. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 in your Bibles, which begins by saying, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Many things are in this passage. One of the important things, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, is the fact that spiritual weapons are needed 
to pull down strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? Well, strongholds, according to Charles Stanley, and I'm going to read uh, how he says it, strongholds are things which get a hold of a person, things which um, are in a person's life, in any area of life, that we cannot control, which are destructive to us. I'm going to repeat it. A stronghold is any area of our lives that we cannot control and then it's destructive to us. And, uh, well, what pulls down strongholds? You pray for someone. You're concerned for someone. Yes, we have to use compassion when we try to counsel someone who may have a stronghold in their life. But it's amazing what your prayers will do. And please keep this in mind. Satan all the time is trying to get you and me to think your prayers don't work. I mean, you can pray and pray. It's not going to work. That's so false. That's so, so untrue. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avail much. But Satan wants you to get discouraged. You've been praying for years for this. And you don't see any change. That doesn't mean the change won't come. Because prayer is powerful. And so is the Word of God. We use the Word of God. We sometimes give just a verse of Scripture to someone to encourage them. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the spiritual weapons that we use, of course, are uh, the Word of God, prayer, the work of the Holy Spirit, and these weapons can break down uh, arguments that people have in their mind and thinking of why they can't worship God, why they can't do spiritual things. Well, the Word of God says these things can be done through the power of the Lord Himself. Uh, spiritual weapons break down uh, proud human arguments that are raised up against God. I like uh, Wearsby. I, I have visited the city of Chicago. I visited the city of Philadelphia many years because I used to live near there. In that city of brotherly love. Don't walk through it at nighttime. But Wearsby pastored in Chicago. And he wrote this. When I was pastoring in Chicago, I met weekly with three pastor friends, and together we prayed what has been called spiritual warfare praying. And we claim God's promise to deal with people in the area of casting down wrong thinking that keeps people from coming to the Lord. And he said, you know, it's amazing the results that we saw. God did great things in the lives of many people for whom we prayed in spiritual warfare praying. Once the walls of the mind, in the mind, have been torn down, the door of the heart is opened. So if you can get people to understand that they're thinking wrong about God, God loves us. And he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins so that we never have to pay for them. And the eternal separation from God. It's amazing what God does. Spiritual warfare praying. Don't give up on praying for others who may be in some type of bondage. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. God wants us, when we're struggling with doubts and concerns, to take them to Him. We got a, um, an email not too long ago from people we've known many years ago. And they said again, 
This is twice I'm mentioning a daughter. They said their daughter's really struggling with the love of God in her life because she's going through so much. And that's understandable. And so the mom and the family started praying for her. And it's amazing what the Lord did to bring that young lady back into the trust that she once had in the Lord. We are to submit our thoughts to the Lord. The bind is the battleground, and uh, that's why we need to pray like the psalmist prayed, and we will end with that before we come to the Lord's table. Thirdly, we have a responsibility to control our thinking. 1 Peter 1.13, in the King James text, it says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Reminds me of uh, Howard Hendricks at, Dr., uh, at Dallas Seminary. Doak probably remembers that. He used to say, and he had a funny way of saying things. And he, he was a great teacher. He's the one who wrote a book on um, uh, methods of Bible study. If you haven't seen that book, you maybe ought to get it. It's probably the best book on methods of Bible study. But he used to look at the class and guys would be discussing things. And he said, man... You need to structure your thinking. Don't let your mind wander all over the place on this. That's how he talked. Structure your thinking. Gird up the loins of your mind. The idea is, in biblical times, um, people wore long robes. And when they wanted to move quickly, they would kind of pull the robes up and, and tie them so they weren't dragging around their feet. And the idea is we are to pull our thoughts together so that we can effectively serve the Lord. We don't want our minds wandering off. And sometimes, well, let's create a scenario. Supposing we know somebody who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. Well, we don't want in our minds to be thinking, well, they're never going to come to Christ. I heard somebody say that one time. And boy, that made me pray harder. <laughs> it really did. Um, oh, they're never going to come to the Lord. Uh, people have been praying for him for years. They're, no, that's not good thinking. The thinking is we bring people to the throne of grace and trust the Lord to meet the, the, the lives of people in the time of need. Very, very important. So that's 1 Peter 1.13 where the exhortation is we are to pull our thoughts together and line our thoughts up with God's thoughts given in God's word. But Philippians 4.8, which was read for us this morning, is a beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture. And it says this, if you're looking at it on your study sheet, I don't think they're spelled out. But Philippians 4.8 says, whatever things are true, that is, things that are not false or untrustworthy, whatever's true, which lines up with reality, Sin may be forgiven by Christ. Christ died for our sins. The gospel is Christ plus nothing, as we heard in our Sunday school class this morning. Jesus died and loves us very much and paid for our sins. We will give thanks when we come to this table together this morning. One of the things we will do is we will be so thankful that God doesn't look at the sin in our lives. You say, oh, what, about, what if a person hasn't dealt with their sin yet? They can deal with it. By confessing it and going to the Lord, say, take it out of my life. He loves us very much. The table's a time when we say, thank you, Lord, for what you do. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, not shameful, 
whatever things are right and not wrong before God. Whatever things are pure, not tainted. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. Not gossip and slanderous things. Not things that are very negative towards someone. Boy, it's easy to fall and to listen to those things. We need to be so careful. Whatsoever things are excellent, not inferior or wasteful. Whatsoever things are worthy of praise. Think on these things. And then it's interesting, the verse preceding 4.8 says, And the God of peace will be with you. You know, uh, many times, and in fact we're going to go into this right now, is number four on your study sheet says, God has a plan for our minds. I think right at the top of the list, and I like putting this one at the top. You could rearrange these, but God wants us to have peace. I don't know about you, but I don't like when I hear something's happening to someone, I don't like to all that, you know, how's this going to turn out? I don't think God wants us to be uh, uh, using our minds in that way. I think, yes, trials will come. And in the midst of trials, we're to go to our Lord. And we're to say, Lord, I need your peace. I need your thoughts. I need your wisdom. Because God's standard for the mind is that it's peaceful. Let me give you the reference. It's Romans 8, 6 says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritual, spiritually minded is life and peace. In other words, when the Holy Spirit ministers to your heart. You see, He lives within us as believers. And if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, here's a circumstance, and I don't want to be thinking wrong about this circumstance, allow your Holy Spirit to minister to my thoughts. It is amazing what the Lord will do helping you to think through a very difficult circumstance. Romans 8, 6, very important verse. God's standard for our mind is to be peaceful. Romans 8, 5 says, the preceding verse, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so the point, of course, is we have the ability to set our minds. We really do. Uh, we have responsibility with regards to what we think. Quickly. Secondly, God's desire for our minds is to stay focused. And that's, that's very important. It's to allow us to focus on what God wants us to do. And uh, we, we could from time to time just, just ask ourselves a question. Am I thinking right about this? Are my thoughts right? Or if we catch our thoughts not being right, we say, Lord, you know, hey, help me to get these thoughts out of my mind. Help me to change directions. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It takes submission to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, in order for our minds to function well. Thirdly, God wants our minds to reflect humility. Wow. Humility. Our Awana leader was teaching the boys the other night about a sense of superiority. Uh, we need to have a sense of humility before God. I, I am who I am by the grace of God. And uh, it's easy sometimes for children and youth to exalt themselves above others and uh, that's not what God wants us to see God wants us to be humble before him let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus 
God wants to see humility. And we've mentioned this verse before, but Psalm 25, 9 says, The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. In other words, <laughs> this is interesting. we got to be careful we don't, don't come too uh, prideful, even in our knowledge of spiritual things. We need to be humble. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to listen to that teacher or I'm not going to listen to that well if they're teaching false doctrine <laughs> but God wants us to be humble and uh, to enter into Bible study with others and listen to what others say about spiritual things uh, I, I believe that's very important I really do Psalm 25 9 the humble he teaches and uh, I think we, we really do need to be careful. A couple more quickies will come to the table together. Uh, God wants to see purity of mind. Obviously, you understand this. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and those who do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both the minds and the consciences have been corrupted. But God wants to see purity in our thoughts. He wants us to be able to put things out that shouldn't be in our mind and thinking. When we're tempted to sin, and I know you know this, all of us are tempted to sin, God provides a way to escape. So the next time you're tempted in some area of your life, keep in mind that terminology from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's a way of escape. You don't have to go that route. God provides always for us a way of escape. Peace, focus, humility, purity, how does God renew our minds? I know you know this verse so well. In the verses Romans 12, 2. And it goes, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform means change. Can I change in my thinking? Absolutely yes. What does God use to get our thinking to change? He uses his very precious word. That's why we as believers want to be in the word of God. So God can use his word to change us, to allow our thoughts to be thoughts which please you. And then number six, we are to pray for God's intervention on the control of our lives. If we would pray Psalm 1914, oh, every day, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart please you. It's amazing. It's amazing what God will do for us. So yeah, we do. We really do want to take care of our minds and our thoughts because it directs our whole life. We're going to come to the Lord's table now together.